Hey everybody, RBL Commissioner Pat Barker here telling you that if you are in Northern California, if you are in the Bay Area, make sure you check out Roast Battle Bay Area. They have two incredible shows coming up September the 7th. And when you see this, it should be coming up later this week. They're going to be at Cobb's Comedy Club, the return to Cobb's. They have a main event championship match. And the next night on September 8th, they are going to be at uh, the Punchline in Sacramento. See, I go with no notes. They're going to have an undercard title match that night. Incredible lineups of battles both nights. Roast Battle legends Keith Carey and Frank Castillo are heading up to the Bay Area to judge. You could check them out on Instagram at Roast Battle Bay Area for more information. Go check out Roast Battle Live. Welcome back to RBL Weekly, where we take a look at the Roast Battle <laughs> I love that you did that thing. That was, I don't know what the fuck that was. This is Sarah Keller. My name's Pat Barker. I'm the commissioner of the RBL. Sarah is my co-host. And every week we sit down here at the beautiful Neff Studios and uh, we look at some of the top moments from across the Roast Battle League. And I'm excited to do it again with you. How's everything going? I'm great. I I, I made the mistake of working out yesterday and mm. uh, now I'm really sore. So that was a terrible decision. I'm not going to make it again. Yep. No more working out. Nope. Never. I tried it a few years ago. Not a fan. Uh, this is where I belong, right on this couch, watching battles with you and just getting fat. Yeah. I'm excited to do it. And I'm excited to look at this week in Roast Battle. As always, we have a sprinkling of a few battles that happened this week and a few that we're kind of pulling from the last couple of months to piece this thing together. Um, transparency is very important. We got to tell the audience. But we're going to start with a battle that did indeed happen this past week, and it was a title match. Now, this is uh, from the Bay Area, who has been on fire recently. I believe they were number one last week, uh, yeah. or perhaps a couple weeks ago. Uh, but this is a this is a solid battle to start us off. They crowned their first ever undercard champion at the Sacramento Punchline this past week. We're gonna start going up to the Bay. This is Artie Valenzuela taking on Drew Schaefer. Let's take a look. Uh, Artie, it looks like what happens if you survive shaken baby syndrome. <laughs> I got fucking directed to get closer and I, I just got PTSD from moving too fast. Uh, <laughs> Drew actually got married during the pandemic. Give it up for Drew. Um, he's, uh... His wife's actually in the back, Aurora. She's a comedian too. Uh, she's funnier than him. Um, Aurora, uh, Aurora, which is also the name of a Disney princess for uh, Sleeping Beauty, which is apt because Drew only likes kissing his women unconscious. Good shit, Ellen DeGenderless. I'm a little chubby, but you know, I can run out of my weight. Uh, you know, you're never gonna run out of those teeth. Um, <laughs> you smell like the Cheshire cat, dude. Shut up. <laughs> I wasn't done. Just like your teeth, you're doing too much. Oh uh, Drew actually runs marathons, just in case you were confused about the stickers on his car for the amount of teeth he has. Um, <laughs> Drew's, <laughs> Drew, Drew's, always, Drew's always second because his teeth always comes in first. And he runs really fast because that, you know, that crossing line's the only floss that'll fit. <laughs> Uh, Artie looks like what happens if you order a mail-order bride with a flat-rate box. 
It's funny how you can pick up special ed students because you look like their teacher. Uh, you, you get an A for that one, Arnie. Good job. If, uh, if Drew was a vampire, he would starve to death because his buck teeth would always hit first. <laughs> right, that's, yeah, that's four. I like that battle. I didn't love that battle. There were a lot of kind of confusing moments to me. Yes. Um, Artie's uh, teeth-based attack had, it was, I'll say this about Artie. I've seen him battle a couple times. He battled uh, Doug Fager when we went up and did LA versus the Bay, and he picked up the only win that night for the Bay Area. Wow. And Doug Fager is not easy competition. Yeah. I battled him twice. The guy is a monster, and Artie beat him fair and square. Artie is one of these guys, I feel like his ceiling is so high. And that's not a short joke. I, his, his potential, when he hits, it's so good. But he said some things there that I just straight up... First of all, the, the marathon joke. The, the, it, the bumper sticker is the number of teeth he has. 26 seems like a perfectly reasonable amount of teeth to have, right? I'm, I'm kind of doing the math. I'm pretty sure that's like how many teeth you have. Like, I think you have like 32 teeth in your mouth or something. So right. like 26 is like... I, originally when I heard the joke I thought it was he didn't have teeth uh -huh. and then I saw him and I was like wait what okay, he's got really big teeth and, yeah. and to be fair this is something that's hard for us to see kind of on the video because they had one camera sort of back of the room so the teeth jokes are always really hit or miss because the audience can't always see Drew I know from when he battled Tom Whalen in the belly room has big teeth okay um but I don't know why the number of teeth would increase or decrease depending upon, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. I, I hate to, I hate to be the guy who di dives too deep into the jokes because it got a laugh. It had the intended effect, but I have to point out that it does not make sense. Yes, I, I agree. And I, I think it's the same as you. Like, I don't like pointing out a joke that actually worked, but in this case, I'm like, but why did it work? It doesn't. Yeah. It was a lot of teeth at jokes and. A lot, like a lot of words that, if you tweaked them a little bit, could have made sense. Mm -hmm. But you just didn't. Yeah, and and <laughs> the 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 best part of it was when Drew interrupted him and he said, "Like your teeth, you're doing too much." Yeah, and I was like, "Okay, yes. well done." Yes. And then he tagged on like six other parts of the joke. Like you want to talk about doing too much? Like already went on a whole tooth monologue. I look, I feel weird kind of shitting on the guy who won. I love Artie. Yes. I, I'm a big fan of his work. He's battled, you know, in the, in the belly room, and I've seen him at Cobbs in San Francisco and now Sacramento Punchline, and he's the first ever undercard champion. But we have to call it like we see it. He's got a title match. His first title defense is coming up September 7th against Morgan Anderson, who we've all seen before. I think the champ is a major underdog going into that one. I would definitely agree. And I think the other thing I was thinking with, with Artie is, it, you can kind of get away with one joke that doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. but he had not only three teeth jokes that were like a little clunky, but the Aurora sleeping joke, like mm -hmm. A had way too many words. It could have been broken. It could have been down to like eight words. Uh -huh. And B, he mixed up a couple of like verbs, which I know sounds picky, but like it, it just made it. That, that little bit more of like, okay, now it's a leap because also the wording isn't correct. He practiced his. I didn't practice Yeah, but English this. isn't his first language. It's not? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Well, it's not mine then either. Oh, fuck what I know. Um, 
But yeah, it just was like two nonsense jokes after, like in a row. Yeah. And I, w- I actually want to give credit on that one, though, because as somebody uh, whose wife has taking, taken uh, a, a bunch of, of stray bullets. Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> my wife has taken a bunch of stray bullets throughout all my battles. She gets hit a lot. If you are going to invoke somebody's significant other, that's the way you do it. Yep. The joke was about Drew. It referenced his wife. He even paid his wife a compliment. He said that she's a comedian too, and she's funnier than Drew. Yes. So if you're going to insult somebody else's wife, it helps to give her a compliment first and make sure your joke is eventually directed at the person you're battling and not the wife. So kudos to Artie on that one. Before we leave this conversation, though, I would be remiss if we didn't show some footage from Artie's first battle after winning the title. Now, this wasn't a title match. But shortly after winning the title, he came down to L.A. and he battled another Bay Area guy named Logan Farr in the belly room. Now, we've seen Logan a few weeks ago uh, from when he battled Toby Mirashai. And Toby did the the uh, PowerPoint presentation. Yep. Of course, we all remember that. Logan uh, doesn't have any feet. He got his feet cut off in a train accident. And he came down to L.A. and he battled Artie. It was not a top five battle of the week, but it included a top five moment, perhaps of all time. Yes. Oh, we, we so got, we got to see. Sam, can you pull this up? Artie's just mad because even missing feet. something to say but by the way i've been in that moment before where somebody absolutely crushes me and the room's going nuts and i'm going no no no, hold on hold on i got no no no, please stop please i have i and it never ever ever works it was over at that moment without even seeing what already said next when you bring the wave out of retirement yeah i was thinking the exact same thing i'm like man you you know when jamar rushes the stage that it was undeniably amazing yeah so uh you know already congratulations on winning the belt uh, I'm hoping this does the Michael Jordan thing where you take this personally and you come out on September 7th and, and kick some ass. But at this point, if I'm a betting man, if I'm laying a line on this battle, Morgan Anderson minus 220, 230, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty big line. Yeah. Uh, I think Artie has his work cut out for him. But congratulations, number five battle this week and the new undercard champ. Uh, we'll be uh, we'll be rooting for you. So now we go uh, across the country. We're going to check out New York. This is the return of a battler we saw in one of our first episodes that we were very impressed by. Uh, very excited to see Talent Harris back. Uh, and in this one, he's taking on. I have to I have to look at this name because it's a, an interesting one. Alden Skidas. I hope I'm pr- pronouncing that right. This is the first time we've seen Alden on the show. Number four battle this week. This is Talent Harris versus Alden Skidas from New York. Let's check it out. <laughs> Talon Harris looks like a fucking Slim Jim with lips. <laughs> That's pretty funny because you look like a live action character from the cartoon Big Mouth. <laughs> One of Alden's favorite rappers uh, is actually Biggie Smalls. Which I think is pretty ironic because he looks exactly like one of the people that would call the police on Biggie for hustling in front of this building when he was just trying to make some money to feed his daughter. And the niggas in the struggle. Oh, Talon thinks he's gangster. Nuh-uh-uh. (laughs) 
I listen to Biggie, he listens to DMX a lot. Uh, not because he's gangster, he's just actually trying to find out where the hood at. <laughs> uh, Talon is a fan of basketball. Maybe Kobe would have survived if he was allowed to land his helicopter on your massive forehead. <laughs> I feel like he will audition for Love on the Spectrum at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Alden, we actually met back in 07 on a Call of Duty, uh, Call of Duty server, and um, it's so cool. Like one of the first things he actually said to me was, "Nigger." <laughs> wow, that was so the the juxtaposition of watching Artie with kind of the longer teeth jokes, and then these guys are coming out short, quick, word efficiency, two great look-alike jokes to, to start it off. I mean, those guys hit a fucking home run on that one. Yeah, I I love that. That was such a fun back and forth, and their, their characters are so different Yeah, uh, that it's very compelling to watch our Alden. Alden, which is a weird name. Like, Alden Skeetis. Skeetus, that's his name. Alden makes a little bit of sense. Skeetus is, that's the first time I've seen that one in yeah. my time on Earth. But uh, Alden rapping, nah, yeah. was maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen. It, I, you know, and I mean, not, but. The talent Biggie joke didn't get what it, I don't know if people didn't quite get the reference or whatever, but I, I mean, it, I thought it was great to have. In that moment, see, sometimes we see rebuttals that we know are like pre-planned. Like if he says something about X, I'm going to say Y. Yes. Um, I don't think the DMX thing was designed to like be a rebuttal. I just think it was dumb luck that it worked out that way. And it was just so perfect to have the Biggie and DMX back to back like that. A forehead joke is wild to me because Alden has a way bigger forehead than Talent does. Yeah. Um, And it reminded me of when somebody or when Jasmine did a joke about me having a big forehead and like it blew me away and so I like actually had to measure my forehead against hers because I was like what isn't that how isn't that how they measuring craniums of black people I wouldn't advise that if you're gonna go forward I don't think that that's a thing that has a great historical am I making that that a thing okay yeah the black eyes clapping so all right well yeah I think that's how they uh when they were doing like the the pre-draft workouts for the slaves I think that was well then let's cut all that out the slave combine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Well, she made the joke about my forehead. <laughs> I know, and I was like, I know. wait, what? But like, your, your point is well taken. Uh, yeah. If you are going to make a joke about somebody else uh, and the joke applies more to you, make sure it's a really good joke. Fortunately for Alden, that's a fucking banger of a joke. Yeah. The Kobe Bryant thing. Yeah. Everything said in this battle, I absolutely loved. Um, we saw a different side, I feel like, of talent this time because last time it was all about confidence and swagger. And this time, I, I don't feel like he had a discernible edge in that department but his jokes were really well written um just really great work and it comes out of grove 34 which was originally intended you know new york has two different shows that are in our league they have the main show at the new york comedy club a prestigious venue been around a long time very well respected in the new york community and then this secondary show which was supposed to be like a minor league show but i'll tell you one thing having seen footage from Grove 34, in my mind, it is already on equal footing with the New York Comedy Club show, and we are seeing more relative unknowns come out of there, like Talon Harris, like Eric Asker, who we saw a few weeks ago. I've been really impressed with that. How important is it, do you think, to have a venue specifically for newer people to show that they belong in the scene? I think in a place like New York or LA, like it's 
I think it's invaluable, especially because there is that fear of like, oh man, I'm going to go at the, up at the New York Comedy Club or at the belly room and who's going to see me? And like, maybe I'm not ready for that yet. And I don't want to screw it up and blow my first shot, even though like nobody cares if you blow your first shot. Sure. But it is, I think, incredible to have a place that feels a little lower pressure where you can build up your confidence, build up your figuring out the mathematics of writing a roast joke and what you want to say and who you are on stage, then be able to step into the mega ring that is the belly room, that is the New York Comedy Club, and already start out at an elevated level. Yeah, and and there are some shows on both coasts that are not RBL affiliated, but are excellent and and extremely helpful to our scene. No Yoris, Roast Battles, hosted by Los Digits uh, in North Hollywood here. Um, Comedy Fight Club in New York, which has been going on for years. They're doing their thing over there. Matt Marin runs a fantastic show. Um, And, uh, you know, the battlers have different avenues because the New York Comedy Club is very... um, dedicated to their structure which is they still do three round battles and every battle is three rounds every battle is i believe 13 to 15 jokes an obscene amount of jokes and they run bi-weekly so literally you're talking about six battles a month so it's really hard to get in there yeah so to have this this uh this other avenue to battle i think is an amazing thing um, and New York is doing a great job. Dan Wicks uh, is the name of the guy running. We've seen him battle uh, Lou Miziano a few weeks ago. He runs the show at uh, Grove 34, and they're doing excellent, excellent work over there. So shout out to those guys. Um, we move now to a division that we have seen a lot of recently, and uh, they continue to clock in every week. Maybe our most consistent division. Uh, I'm talking about Chicago. Chicago uh, continues to run great shows, and they have a fantastic battle coming in this week at number three. This is Brandon Kiefer taking on Jamal Sanders. Let's take a look at it. Brandon looks like Colonel Sanders if he still sold slaves instead of chicken. (laughs) I'm going to go for it. (laughs) If Jamal was a slave, he'd be allergic to cotton. Brandon looks like John C. Riley's mini me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no job, Marley. <laughs> uh, I saw uh, Brandon driving the other day. I was really confused because I thought hobbits walked everywhere. <laughs> Jamal looks like he gets nervous when black people are around. (laughs) That's not completely true. That's not completely true. Just niggas. (laughs) If a woman gets on a train at 4 a.m. and Jamal's the only one on it, she goes, thank God. poetry man (laughs) Jamal your turn Uh, Brandon looks like a confederate leprechaun (laughs) inspirationally delicious you're never gonna get my gold Brandon looks like the genie that comes out when you rub a bottle of Malort (laughs) 
and go for it again. <laughs> oh, no. Jamal looks like a trans WNBA player. <laughs> All right, so great stuff from Chicago, as usual. One of the things that I love about Chicago is I feel like every week we are exposed to new people. It's a, it's a deep talent pool that we're seeing over there. And uh, first time on the show for Brandon and Jamal. What did you think? I loved it. I thought they both had some like really good jokes. I, I loved Jamal's Hobbit doesn't don't drive cars joke. And I loved Brandon's uh, when a woman sees you on a trade, it's safe. Like that one as a woman tickled me. Yeah. Uh, and then his comeback with they like my poetry was just perfection. Yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, playing into it in the moment, it's an interesting approach to take in roast battle where so much of it is painting your opponent as a racist, a rapist, a pedophile, a creep. To take the angle of, uh, you're actually a good, sweet guy, and that is somehow a bad characteristic, and have it work is really impressive. I, I love that. Yeah, I, I liked that a lot. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was I thought it was really good. Um, some of the lookalikes didn't really hit for me, kind of like up top. Uh, we, we just saw the New York battle where the lookalikes were so good, the, the Slim Jim with lips, the live-action uh, Big Mouth character. Um, and then to start this one off with, like, I didn't see the Colonel Sanders thing. I didn't see the John C. Riley either. And, and, and it, I kind of saw that one, but I'm like, okay, there wasn't much to that joke. It's like, you look like a smaller version of this person, okay? Um, but then the Confederate leprechaun was great, and Everything kind of from there on out was really impressive. The one thing I did want to talk about, and we've alluded to it, we've skirted around the topic, it's time that we have the actual conversation, because I know this is something you feel passionately about. So I'm going to cede the floor to you for this one. We saw, and we just saw it in New York as well, on this battle, we saw Brandon with a can of PBR in his hand, and we saw Jamal with his phone. Not here to talk about the PBR, here to talk about the phone. We've seen it more and more. We are now in week seven of RBL Weekly. We have a global roast battle league. It is a professional thing. We're trying to blow this up and make it the next major sport. You can't have guys on their phone, right? No. Uh, and as passionately as I feel about PBR, uh, unfortunately, we are not going to talk about that. Next but week. Next week, next we'll talk week, PBR. Exclusively PBR. Um, yeah, I. my distaste for reading off a phone notebook anything comes from doing roast battle in the belly room for eight years and watching Jeff Ross and most of the other judges who've ever done it comment on people watching their phones and how it it is it instantly you lose your connection with the audience because you're looking down so if you deliver the joke while looking at your phone it's nothing there's no there's no real connection there and like how many times have we heard Jeff be like Look at your partner. You know, like where you look is very important to the audience, to your partner, to everybody. And and then just the idea that you can't memorize three jokes. Like it's three jokes, bro. And if you want to be a professional comedian and you can't memorize three, you probably shouldn't be a professional comedian. Yeah. And in some of these cases, it's five, but the same logic applies. It's not that monumental of a task. And I understand wanting to have a security blanket nearby. If you jot down like a word or two and... You know, you got to peek at your phone kind of between jokes. That's one thing. But to straight up be reading off of the phones is, um, I think when one person is doing it and one person is not, it makes a major difference in terms of presentation, in terms of how it looks to the audience. Are you prepared? Did you take this seriously? Um, and, and the one caveat I want to I wanna give is when we came up in L.A., it was just an established rule. Nobody had their phones. Yep. 
if you had your phone, you got killed by the judges. In yep. these other scenes, that's not necessarily the deal. So if you're a new guy and you show up and everybody's reading off their phone, I, I'm not faulting anybody for showing up and being like, well, we read off of phones. This is kind of what we do. Um, but I think, and we've seen it a few times, and Talon Harris's first battle that we covered was the same exact deal. I do think it can be a major game changer when you are not on your phone, on your phone, and your opponent is. So what I would like, my challenge to the rest of the league would be: take a little bit of time, memorize these jokes, read them out loud. You'll look like a psychopath. I've done it. You've done it. Um, I'm sure my neighbors think that I am anti every other type of person on this earth because they have heard me loudly reciting every type of fucked up joke imaginable, but I've never read them off of a phone on stage because I show up prepared. And and that would be kind of my challenge as the commissioner to the rest of the league. You know, when we're looking for people who are impressive, when we're looking for people we want to see more of, that we can feature more on social media and on RBL Weekly, and in the future in live events, when we have an opportunity to bring people out and have these dream cards, we're not going to be looking at people who can't memorize five jokes. Definitely. Yeah, I think. And if you're in a scene where people read off their phones, read off notebooks, and you're like, well, it's okay, it's acceptable, why not be the one person that doesn't do it? You'll instantly... You'll walk on stage with an advantage instantly. Yes. You immediately look like a, a rock star. Not to mention you can incorporate that into your jokes. If I was battling somebody and I had a feeling they were going to be on their phone, I would 100% have jokes and rebuttals lined up for that. Same. Um, I, I've done it with people that I know read off their jokes. Yeah. So uh, that would be, that's just a personal pet peeve of mine. Don't want to take away from any of the battles. Great battle. We've seen insane joke writing here today. Uh, a lot of really funny stuff. I, I've enjoyed it. Um, but it's just something that you see it enough and you're like, well, we should probably have the conversation. Yeah. But and if you ever want to come to L.A. and do it in front of, you know, the people, your heroes, you're going to hear that if you're reading off your phone. Like you're going to get yelled at for yeah. it. So we're just trying to help. Yeah, that's all we're doing. We're, we're here, here to help, guys. We're here to help. But shout out to uh, to Brandon and Jamal. They had a great battle. I, I don't want to take away from it with that. I was very impressed by them. I'm very impressed consistently by Chicago across the board. So shout out to Chicago. We move now to our number two battle of the week, and it's from our friends down in the great state of Texas. This is a battle from Austin. This was a, this was a little bit back, but I'm excited to, to watch it on the show here today. We have Patrick Tapari, who we saw originally back in week one, taking on Lucas McCrary, who has uh, really been popping up a lot on our social media and been doing a hell of a job. This is number two this week, Patrick versus Lucas from Austin. Let's check it out. Thank you. Uh, Patrick, you look like you're homeless because you ate your gingerbread house. <laughs> Lucas looks like every character of Full House mashed together. Sure, I'd like to see them mashed together. Orgy, Full House orgy. All right. Uh, Patrick, he is a, uh, he is a uh, sex addict and he is bisexual. I mean, if you're a, a sex addict and you look like Patrick, you kind of have to fuck dudes, right? <laughs> this is crazy roasting the sun from Teletubbies. <laughs> Lucas was uh, non-binary for a year. I guess the fact that his asshole bleeds once a month confused him. <laughs> Patrick, he, he's pretty new to Austin. He's pretty new, but already he's already planted deep roots here in Austin. The only thing deeper in the ground is his uh, dead whore mom. You're as cold as ice. You're... <laughs> if only she was a 
life to fund my comedy career like yours does for you. <laughs> Lucas looks like he tucks his dick between his legs and dances in front of a mirror <laughs> while saying, would you fuck they them? <laughs> I'd fuck they them. I'd fuck they them real hard. Patrick Patrick, you sexy son of a dead bitch. Try it. Um, uh, last time me and Lucas roasted each other, he, uh, he mentioned my mother was dead, and then <laughs> he called his own mother. Uh, so this time around, I figured I'd return the favor. <laughs> Wait, wait, shut up, everybody. Shut up! Shut the fuck up, everyone. Shh. Hello? Mr. Paris? Hey, this is Patrick. Hey, Mom, what's my middle name? <laughs> I don't have uh, much time to talk. I just want to make sure we're still on for tomorrow night, yeah? Of course, I'm bringing that car. You Fun. beautiful son of a bitch, Patrick Depari. Uh, my God. Son um, of a dead bitch. Yeah. Oh, my God. That, that line. So like, this thing was just... You know the funny thing about this battle? Uh, this happened back in June. And I saw this battle on somebody's social media. It wasn't Roast Battle. Somebody posted, frankly, a doctored clip of this battle that made it look like Patrick destroyed Lucas. They cut out all the laughs on Lucas's jokes. And they had the crowd going nuts for Patrick. They didn't even show that part. Really? They, they would take like what? little bits where he's like, uh, he's like, Lucas looks like Ellen DeGeneres. They left out the punchline and the place went nuts. And I was like, man, what the fuck is going on? It was the weirdest series of audience reactions I've ever seen. And now that I've seen the actual battle, everything makes sense. It was great. They were both great. I, I apologize for leaving this one off until this. I, I thought it was a blowout and it most certainly was not. They no. were both, they were both fantastic. Lucas's stuff about... The dead mom, the son of a, you beautiful son of a dead bitch. Was so good. It just was, rolled off his tongue. It was amazing. It was amazing. And to be able to incorporate, and we just got done saying no phones, but to incorporate it in that way, obviously, oh. that's different. And evidently, uh, an homage, a callback to the first battle where Lucas did it. I mean, you do not see continuity between battles like that. I just, I'm blown away. It was incredible. Yeah, that was awesome. I can't believe we've never seen anything like that done before. Like, yeah. that's such a great idea. And I, I now I really want to see what Lucas did, like what his mom said. I know, Austin. In, in Austin, if you're battle. out there, if you have that video, send it to us. We will watch it on the show. I want to see what uh, Lucas did that, you know, precipitated this monstrous comeback. Also, what a fun way to make a rematch exciting and interesting and because like a rematch you know can be a little oh, okay but like to 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 flow through that line of continuity and bring something back like makes it fun and like oh now we we missed out we want to watch it again you know yeah like, oh that was 
Yeah, I, I was just, uh, I was really, really impressed. I think both of these guys, and we saw Patrick week one. Patrick, who the former uh, Austin undercard champion, uh, lost it recently to uh, L.A. original Dan Nolan. Um, Patrick, who is uh, either dating or engaged to or married, I'm not sure the, the status, but Heather Keith, the current main event champion in Austin, the first uh, the first lady of, uh, first man and lady of roast battle. I, I just, every time I see him, I'm very, very impressed. And same with Lucas. Lucas. Who, if Roast Battle London is out there, we're looking for the footage of Lucas going over there and battling uh, Lee Hudson. Yes. Who's one of our favorites. There's all these great battles happening. You're going to see them eventually if you're watching right now. I don't know when, but hopefully soon. Um, yeah, I'm officially putting out uh, requests. I want uh, I want Lucas versus Patrick part one if we have it. And I want Lucas versus Lee in London because I have been very impressed by by both of them every time I've seen them. Lucas and Patrick are both such interesting, like dynamic characters. Like they're they both are a plethora of in of like shit to talk about. Sure. And I thought I liked Patrick's. Um, you look like every character of which we've heard that joke a lot, mm-hmm. and yet I'm not tired of it. Uh, no, because completely. when it when it works, it forces your brain to to do work to do that, and it and so like every character full house. Like, I mean, he has the hair of David Coulier, the face of the Olsen twins, and Steph. Like, it was just... And that's like, exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, when you say, and to call back to an earlier battle, you look like John C. Riley's mini-me. Okay, my brain does one thing. John C. Riley's smaller. Done. Yep. That's the entire joke. When you say you look like every member of a show that had, like, nine... I, it was a uh, ensemble cast. Yes. And I'm sitting there literally like, I see the Uncle uh, Uncle yes, Joey. The jawline yeah. of, of Jesse. Like, I, I'm uh, putting it together, and it's getting funnier and funnier as I process it, which I think is why that type of joke works so well, when it's accurate. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, you're right. Because it's a joke that you get to live with for a long time after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, shout out to Lucas in the moment trying to rebuttal the asshole bleed one, bleeds once a month, which was an incredible joke. <laughs> He, he went with the questionable strategy of being like, yeah, your dad has a big dick. I, I don't even know if I you heard that because the I crowd was it. still going nuts. But Lucas was like, in the moment, he was oh, like, I know what will get him, implying that his dad fucks me Amazing. regularly. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm mad I missed that. Yeah, I knew yeah, he said yeah. something, but I, I couldn't hear it. Yeah, oh, I that's... mean, yeah, great great crowd from Austin. Um, the DJ was going ham on that one, too. Yeah. DJ was DJ. on point with his, uh, with his drops. I agree. Um, so great work out of Austin. Uh, we love everything, of course, that they do over there. Next Austin show is going to be at the Vulcan Gas Company on September 3rd. We have another big one coming up there. Uh, I believe it's a midnight show this time, which is going to be Whoa. great. And I haven't gotten to go over there except for South by Southwest. I haven't gotten to perform at the Vulcan yet. I know you have. I hear it's an incredible venue. Every time I'm there, it is the most fun I have, like on stage, judging, watching the battles, everything. It's I like make an effort to get myself there because I, oh, it's it's unreal. The yeah. vibe, the energy, it's the, one of the greatest. Yep. And uh, speaking of vibe and energy, let's get to the number one battle of the week. Now, this is the seventh week we've done this show. For the last couple of weeks, we've been keeping a running tally of the points leaders on Instagram at RBL Commission. If you want to see where your city stacks up, and Los Angeles, despite not having any number one battles has been in first place for a few weeks, just based on the point totals, consistency. Uh, this past week, we were actually passed by New York. New York took over the number one spot. Well, guess what? LA is back, and they have their first, finally, we have our first number one battle. 
Um, and it was from this past week. It was a title match. Uh, and it featured two of the all-time greats, the defending reigning champion, Joe Urell, against the winningest battler in the history of our sport, Omid Singh. Uh, it, they had a lot to live up to, and they did not disappoint. The number one battle this week, title match from the belly room. Let's check it out. Joe smokes a lot of weed, but he never uses a crutch. The only thing he's rolling is down a hill. A me is that person, which explains why he looks like somebody fucked a rug. <laughs> Joe doesn't know. Joe doesn't know a lot about fucking. doesn't have sex, but every night he does get laid in bed. Thank you, you Bollywood minion. <laughs> you know, in Farsi, Omid means hope, but in English it means head shaped like a peanut. <laughs> Joe is 35, but he looks expired. <laughs> He's very proud of his Cherokee heritage. His native name is Wounded Everything. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, 40-year-old turban. Uh, uh, no, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, this is distracting. Omi looks like every employee that won't open the door for me at 7-Eleven. Yeah. yeah, that wheelie hurt. <laughs> Joe is broke. He also doesn't have any money. is disabled. <laughs> first, first of all, I have an 805 credit score, so thank you very much. Who did you run over to get them? 805? I'm gonna fuck them. <laughs> You know, I live off the government and Omid is a trust fund, baby, so his parents are paying both their bills. <laughs> Joe. Joe loves to paint. We really wish he didn't. <laughs> Joe's paintings are a lot like himself. We'll never see them hanging. I don't, I don't know why you're making fun of my body when you look like a turtle that got evicted from its shell. <laughs>
tell y'all one more joke. <laughs> the only clip Omid has ever found was the one his parents cut off his sister. There it is. Oh. There it is. That's how you get the number one battle of the week. It's for the title. The stakes are as big as they get. We are talking about two guys who have a combined 50 roast battle wins Whoa. under their belts over the course of 90-some overall battles. Two of the most experienced people who have done it time and time and time again and perfected their craft, and they both have distinct, unique characters and voices, and Omid writes jokes that nobody else can write in their simplicity and their word efficiency, and Joe owns the moment, and for a guy in a chaotic room... And you could barely understand him. He has a way of commanding the crowd. And they were both on point. Everything. I loved every bit of it. I I don't have any more to add other than it was flawless. And I mean, top to bottom, everything, everything. And Omid is just, he's so slippery in that, like, you you can't pin him down. Like, he, you never know what he's going to say. And he goes for it no matter what. Like, the tomahawk with the Joe hand. That for me, my God, that won him the battle. Like from that moment, I was like, okay, like Joe can come back, but that was just such a great because he didn't know Coach was gonna play that music, so you knew it was one hundred percent off the cuff. Yeah, and Joe was even doing it because that because oh, he can't help it. It was so good. Yeah, I mean, it was just uh, it was outstanding. And and you know, before the RBL was formed, we have been doing roast battle obviously for almost a decade now, and we've had title matches, we've had a championship. And in the past, uh, we've always focused on who has the best kind of win-loss record, right? And this time around, as the commissioner, I have really tried to focus on the people who have the best and most entertaining battles. I'm not focused so much on the wins and losses. It's cool. You can't get up there if you lose 90% of your battles. But if people are leaving saying, God damn, I loved that Joe Urell battle. Joe's record, he's a couple games over 500. He's not, you know, setting records or anything like that. But... Every battle he's in is so entertaining and he because of the consistency. He's just always writing the best jokes. This was their third battle. Omid and Joe battled in 2018. Joe won the first round. They battled in January of this year. Omid won the second round. And for this one, I asked them, hey, can not only can you do a third, but can you write all new material? And they delivered. Every one is better than the last. And it's just um they're they're two of the legends in the sport. Hats off to both of them. Um we, we, we couldn't do this show without the Omids and Joes of the world. These are two of the all-time greats. I don't think the world could do the world without Joe and Omid. I'm, I'm 100% with you. Was there anything else in this battle? Any points that you get to before we, we, we close the show out? Because we have a, a little bit of additional footage we want to look at. Was there anything else from this battle that jumped out that you have to talk about? Uh, honestly, I started to write down the jokes I liked, and then it was just every single one. Every so one. Yeah. No. Sometimes that happens. You make mental notes like, oh, I'm going to make sure to talk about that joke. And then three jokes later, it's been topped three times. It built to a crescendo. It just kept getting better and better. And the overtime, the overtime to go to overtime and have both of them hit in overtime. It was neck and neck. Uh, Omid did win the judge's decision. Omid is the current champion, but it was as close as a title match gets, which brings us to this last little bit of footage I want to take a look at. You actually caught up, did a little bit of a journalist work and caught up with the new champ after the battle, had a very brief interview, and uh, it's kind of interesting. Let's take a look at it. 
Hey. Omid, how does it feel to be the new fucking champion? It feels okay. It doesn't feel as great as I was hoping. It feels just decent. It could feel a lot better, but I took it from Joe. And, and that just feels, you know, Joe killed it. It was such a great battle. I would love to do it again. Rematch. I'm calling it this time. So, not a lot said in typical Omid fashion. Uh, small amount of words, but a lot was said behind the words. There's a lot to break down there. Let's start with this. They've battled three times, and Omid is already, as the champion, wanting a rematch. And I talked to him, and this wasn't just for the camera. I talked to him, and I said, hey, who are you thinking about battling next? And we don't have an answer on that yet, but he feels very strongly that he wants to give Joe a rematch. Um, he said it was too close. It was too close. And to me, that's a real fighting spirit. It would be easy to get out there by, you know, the skin of your teeth and be like, give me somebody easier. But he wants to battle Joe. First, let me get your thoughts on the idea of doing an immediate rematch. And then I have a follow-up question for you. Go ahead. So at first, I was like not stoked on that idea. Uh, and I still am not 100% sure about it. But um, after watching it back, the audience... I, we obviously saw it live in the belly room. Uh, and where we were sitting, it sounded more definitively to Omid to me. Um, now watching it back, it did not come back, come across that way. So I'm a little bit more like, okay, maybe. At first I was not on board with a rematch at all because I felt like Omid decidedly won. And why are we going back and doing the same thing over again? Uh, that being said, it was really close. I get why Omid would want to do it. Um, I don't love the idea of watching the same thing again two months later. Uh, but I also know that it's not going to be the same thing because these two are legends and they'll come up with great new jokes and it'll be another blowout like this. So it's hard for me to say. Yeah, I agree with you. And to back up your point, in the room, I felt like it was very close. Yes. But I felt like Omid won 10-9. Yes. It was a clear 10-9 round to me. Uh, it was great. Joe did great. But I did edge it to Omid. And had I been judging... I would not have necessarily pushed for overtime because I thought Omid edged it. Same. Close, but he won in my mind. Watching it back, that is about as neck and neck as you could possibly get. Yep. And I completely understand his thoughts on a rematch. However, if we're looking at who maybe should be the number one contender, I could think of someone else who's in this room right now who has one hell of a resume. I'm talking about 19 wins and eight losses, something like that, an incredible record ever since COVID. Classic battles, uh, you know, everyone that you've done recently that I can remember against Leah Kajanian against Kevin McNamara have been the battle of the night. You have quite the resume, Sarah Keller. I will leave it up to you whether you want to be humble in this moment or whether you want to talk a little shit to the camera right there. I know Omid is watching. What are your thoughts? If he chooses to go up against Joe Urell instead of you, what will your thoughts be? And why should you be the next contender for the belt? If he chooses Joe, uh, Omid and I have battled before. And sure. uh, I took a big swing and wore a costume and epically failed. Like, just so bad. Um, so I'm I'm hungry to redeem myself against Omid. Like, very hungry to do it. Uh I'm, it's hard because I felt really confident being like, no, fuck Joe, I'm I'm next. <laughs> but now after watching it, I'm like, oh shit, maybe. But you know what? I've never had a title shot and I have beaten almost every LA champion either on the road or in the belly room. And I fucking, I, it's my turn. It's my turn, Omid. So 
Bring it on, Joe. You can sit for a little bit. <laughs> I love it. I love the confidence. Uh, an almost completely unblemished roast battle record. The only negative mark on your entire resume, because even some of the losses, at least they were great battles. The only one that should keep you up at night and probably has for the last five years was the Omid Singh debacle. She wants her revenge. So, balls in your court, champ. I don't think you can go wrong either way. I, I fully support the rematch. I fully support Sarah Keller. And frankly, I would love to get them both done before the year is through. Um, that's ultimately going to be up to the new champ, the uh, the winner of the first number one battle uh, for Los Angeles. We're back on top of the leaderboard. Um, but, you know, we got to keep up this level of content if we are going to stay atop because New York, Chicago, and now Austin, who's been on fire recently, and the Bay Area, everybody is on our, our heels. London has been doing their thing in Edinburgh. I expect a lot of footage to be coming in from that. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, but we're going to try to keep it up. Congrats to Joe and Omid on the number one battle this week. Uh, tune in next week to RBL Weekly. I'm Pat Barker. Follow me at RBL Commish. That is Sarah Keller. Where can they find you? Sarah Keller 07 on everything. On everything. We'll see you guys next week with more RBL Weekly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.